0: Hello there. This is the Fight Sites MMA podcast. I'm Ed Gallo, owner and operator and proprietor. I don't know what proprietor actually means. I just assume it's <laughs> a synonym for the other ones uh, of the Fight Site. I'm, I'm, I'm the big boss. There was a guy who, uh, on one of our YouTube videos who really didn't like when I said I'm the boss. And uh, this is for you.
1: Yeah, too bad guy. he is the boss. I can corroborate that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm joined by Shriram Raleigh Darn, who is uh, also a boss in a different sense,
1: a uh, uh, high ranking member of the c-suite let's call me that um yeah happy to be here as always
0: do you play the mob game on facebook where you like you know level up through you know what i'm talking about Yeah, i know
1: i don't play it but i've seen the memes
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's the game is a meme anyway uh we're in decently high spirits right now which is weird because we were really depressed uh on saturday for the ufc card and honestly like it's not even like it was that bad i mean like Leon won and Izzy won, and it was like, you, you know, yay. Uh, and then the, the Figurita thing, we'll talk about why that was so depressing to us. Um, and spoiler, it's not because we hate Brandon Moreno if anyone's going to try to pull that untrue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like it was a pretty good card. Just there are a few things that really bummed us out uh, about the future, essentially. It wasn't really like the f- result of the fight itself was that depressing, just like implications, uh, context, really, really. Yeah made us sad so uh what we're gonna do on this podcast is we're going to break down the results of UFC 263 for the fights that we feel like talking about and we're also going to preview a few cards we're going to preview next week's UFC card and we're going to preview uh the PFL card a little bit that's coming up there was a Ryzen event this weekend as well but we we got a lot to talk about and I didn't watch it so that's going to be you know tough
1: it's gonna be hard yeah
0: (laughs) so let's not Let's not do that. Um, there was a PFL card last week, actually. Uh, can we we didn't discuss this pre uh, <laughs> pre recording, but can we talk about that a little bit as well? Yeah. Uh, before we move on to next week's events. so we'll do UFC 263 first. But I would definitely like to uh, talk about that a little bit because I don't think we got to. Um, but yeah, so no Patreon request uh, or you know podcast topics or anything like that this week. We'll, we'll get them. Um, There's not really many podcast topic requests. There's one um, that you guys wanted to do something about Japanese MMA on uh, Horiguchi or someone of that nature. Uh, In the request, there was some language about uh, there not being any uh, Japanese MMA content or there wasn't anything about Sakuraba on the site. There actually is a little bit of Japanese MMA content. Uh, A lot of it's on Patreon. And there's also um, a, a big Sakuraba article by Kyle McLaughlin. That you should definitely check out. So just like go to our site and use the search function and type in Sakuraba, and you will see. In fact, there is one. But we'll definitely get you. We see your question, um, and yeah, we'll we'll get to it <laughs> soon. But yeah, we're gonna talk about uh the the event. So Shuram, uh, let's go a little bit out of order. Sounds good. Let's let's talk about the fight that made us the most sad. First, let's go in order of main card fights uh in order of our sadness so i would say the most sad i was on the main card was uh brandon moreno beating davison figueredo easily we we, we did our, our video that week of uh the bad calls of their first fight which was a bad call um it was a draw for moreno and we called it i didn't call it but jerome called it and it came from somewhere a drawberry <laughs> which i think is an amazing term and yeah we uh we were like yeah he definitely won that fight and, like, moving forward, it was, like, out was... Probably could have done the same exact thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And, one, he had a lot of good stuff going on the feet. And, basically, the only issue was that he kept getting taken down with this body lock because his defense is horrible in that position. Like, does not know what to do. Um, and Miranda's good at it, I think. But it's, like, he, his reactions are so, so bad in that situation. So, we're like, all right. That's a technical thing. He can fix that pretty quickly if he tries. And... uh yeah, we figured that it would be largely the same because, uh, like, how much better can Moreno get in what six months?
1: Yeah, something like that. It, so he got yeah. a lot better, I think, but it was still a really depressing mm-hmm. showing because it didn't look like Figueredo knew that all he had to do was the same thing again.
0: I it's like he didn't know, or here, here's I think it's a combination of factors. So it's never, it's never really just one thing. Yeah, Um and like absolutely part of it is moreno was fighting what would have been a tough fight for him anyway um not like really hard to win but it's like better than what he was doing the first time which is just kind of like throwing without too much thought behind it uh just kind of like you might call it rote um but what was wasn't that picky about his his leads essentially um i think that was his main his main issue uh besides like all the mechanical and technical things that allowed him to be hit in those exchanges but just strategically That's something that he probably could have fixed. And I think he did. He was uh, picking his spots a lot more carefully and he looked really sharp, uh, pulling the trigger on stuff. You can, you can go into specific things you liked in a second, but yeah, with Figueroa, it's like the main issue was that he didn't do anything. Um, and we're not exaggerating. I think you said in one of the rounds, the strike, like attempted count was like 40 something to six. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the commentary brought that up. up.
1: They, they saw it too. That. Yeah,
0: so that's really bad. So he did nothing, and that's not how he fights. That's never been how he fights. <laughs> like, never before in his life has he had a fight like that. So you can definitely assume that something's going on there. However, some information that could partially influence this is that before the fight, he had an interview where he was like, oh, I like how Kamar Usman is fighting, and I want to be a little bit more like that. And I feel, I feel like it was a translated article. So the language was weird like the headline was like use a high guard and it was like that doesn't sound like what he said like based on what's here. but basically it sounded like he wanted to be a little bit more conservative um, and, and be a little bit smarter about when he you know committed to the things and you know just dial it back a notch and it's like, okay, I don't love that for you, but for career longevity that's probably smart. Um, I think we talked about it last week, didn't we?
1: I'm pretty sure we did. yeah. yeah and we actually did see a little bit of high guarding from Figueroa in this fight which is not really a great sign because he doesn't seem to know how to counter out of it at all um he kind of just let moreno get his combinations off and try to like block it without doing anything Uh, in the first fight we saw a lot of uh, head movement on the inside from figueredo he'd like you know lower his level get into like these weird exchanges where he was like in a deep crouch and like jabbing with him. and he actually had some success with that later i think what moreno did well was so first of all i'm going to start with this i don't think moreno wins with this fight if Figueiredo fights the same way he did the first time. Uh, Moreno had the right idea on how to fight. He was trying to feint Figueiredo back immediately to buy space. Uh, He was putting his combinations together well in terms of off his lead hand, hooking off the jab, uh, building into his right hand, which is a lot tighter than it was in the first fight. But the way that Figueiredo fought in the first fight, I think it really kept Moreno from being able to pick his leads. Uh, And by that, I mean... A lot of people think that Figueredo's offense is what backed up Moreno in a sense. I think Figueredo's insistence on the ring craft is what opened his offense up, where when Moreno would back up and be up against the fence because Figueredo would just not really care about what Moreno was doing and just keep walking forward it would force Moreno to start jabbing to back him up, or jabbing and left-hooking, and he wouldn't have the opportunity, right, to put together these really nuanced, clever combinations that he put on, like, Kaikar France or Juicy Formiga. It just wasn't really an option outside of very specific moments. So one thing that I've seen a lot of people say is that since Figueiredo was getting intercepted on some of his entries, there's this one clip going around, Figueiredo steps in with, like, that Tony Ferguson uh, little step-in elbow, and Moreno counters him with an elbow, and it looked sweet. It was genuinely a very cool thing to do, but... Figueredo has always been very, very counterable on entry. It's like he he got countered on entry a bunch of times by Jucia Formigo, which is fine. He also got countered on entry a bunch of times by Moreno in the first fight. It's just that he kept such command of the ring craft that when Moreno tried to lead, Figueredo always knew what was going on, and he was always able to draw those out and counter much harder. And I think what we saw in the third round at the beginning of it was Figueredo kind of figuring out that he needed to do the things that won in the first fight. Uh, One real staple of the first fight was that Every time Moreno jabbed, pretty much, he had some sort of answer, right? He wasn't just, like, high-guarding and sitting back waiting for the combo to end. He was actively jabbing with him. He was leaping into big body shots. He was cross-countering. I don't think we saw a single cross-counter in this fight, but when he started jabbing with Moreno, it worked really well. And then he just... It turned out he couldn't do that for very long. I think there's a real aspect of physical decline in this one that's not just the I-want-to-be-Kamaru Usman thing, Uh, but, you know, the weight cut sort of made people expect that, and even beyond that Mm -hmm. singular weight cut, there's a cumulative effect to him consistently being very 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 trained
0: yeah um people blame weight cuts and things of that nature like sickness and all sorts of stuff on performances all the time and i think it takes an educated eye to notice when it's legit and when it's not and you can't always tell you can't always tell but this is a case where clearly had a terrible weight cut. He's been having terrible weight cuts for his entire career. <laughs> uh, basically, he's always had a hard time making weight cuz he's gigantic and he looks like shit um physically. Like he he did not do anything in the first two rounds and when he said I need to do things, it, like it, clearly he was behind so I can't start I can't lose any more rounds. Um he seemed to have a very limited store of energy to do that because he was fighting like he fights in the beginning of that third round. Um, he looked pretty normal, but he could not sustain that for longer than, I don't know, I might be exaggerating, but I feel like it was 30 seconds. Um, it was a very limited amount of time. It was not of a, 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 someone who looked like they could win a fight being themselves. And you know, six months is also not enough time for Figueiredo to reinvent himself. Uh, he's a guy whose style is incredibly athletically dependent. Um, his grappling, all of it, everything about his style is super physically dependent, athletically dependent. He has to be freakishly strong and have a, a weirdly deep gas tank for how ridiculously he fights. Um, he has to throw everything hard. Um, you know what I mean? Like even his jab, it's it's power. power it's, a huge, it's a huge shot. Um, there's nothing he does lightly. So like when you are someone with a compromised gas tank and you don't feel like you have a lot of energy, you can't do it. You can't do that. You can't do it for very long. So he couldn't change how he fights in that amount of time. So I think he was screwed. I think he knew he was screwed, and that's why he wasn't doing anything. Because um, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gas <laughs> yeah. if I do anything. But he had no choice anymore in the third round. And I really think, um, you know, Marina won this fight by grappling, right? Yeah. Uh, so the takedown defense, exactly the same. Baddest ever. Um, exactly the same. <laughs> no, no, no gains in that department. Uh, you could say it's like, okay, well it really started happening once he was more tired It's like it it happened earlier than that, too, and he looked terrible um, In the grappling exchanges, here's where I really feel validated about Him being physically different for this fight is This is gonna sound crazy to say about Davis and Figueredo, but physically he looked weak um, He was not able to move Brendan Moreno from the exact same positions. He was doing it in their first fight um, his butterfly guard looked weak. That's a very strong position, and people can be pretty tired. And if they have good technique, they can butterfly guard you and elevate you and move you around. He looked like he was going, huh, and trying to just, like, do a do like, like, uh, extension, basically, and, and get it to work and like do grapple the way he normally does. And he realized he just could not do it. Um, and you know, maybe I haven't rewatched the fight, so maybe there's some details I'm missing from Moreno as a grappler. I'm sure, you know, he, he worked on some things too, cause he had reads from the first fight, but I mean, it was just clearly a, a, a different guy. And is that a one fight deal? Is that how he's going to be from now on? That's what we don't know. And I think that's what makes this the most depressing fight is that figure out how to piss poor performance. It was terrible. Um, a really, really poor effort and Moreno had a great effort, so you're never going to win. <laughs> like that um, so that's like kind of hopeless if you can't you know go back to normal or make some huge adjustments to work with, with the changes or he's going to move up to Bantamweight so it's like the implications of this performance were a, were a lot more depressing than the loss in itself it was like oh are we are we done with like Figueredo being this like pound for pound elite guy was he ever probably uh, I think so it was a very short run and i think a lot of it happened as a contender i feel like even honestly even the formiga fight was probably his prime yeah uh he just fought an insanely stupid fight and formiga exploited his flaws um but yeah i would say he he might have used up his prime and he's in his 30s so it's entirely possible but i think that's the thing that really has me down uh but we're never gonna know for sure until his next fight and even then like there could be more questions so how, how are you feeling with the whole thing
1: yeah, I'm in about the same place. I think Figueredo being kind of a pound for pound guy, uh, I'm not sure whether we overplayed it during his run or not, but it was a, a magical run. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the Joe Benavides fights, we rate Joe Benavides fairly highly, and Figueredo fought both really clever and really destructive fights in both. Uh, Pantoja was super impressive. Elliot wasn't. So, one thing that I think a lot of betters in particular have noted about Figueroa is that he has this sort of inconsistency in approach. It's not something that I've ever noted about Figueroa. It's that, you know, he's always been the sort of fighter to take the right approach and not just one that's like a lot of empty volume. But I think this is yeah. one fight where they kind of took some weird lessons from him. Where, like, you know, a lot of people point to the Elliot fight, where he didn't do a ton until guillotining Elliot, And, like, okay, he guillotined Elliot. He didn't feel the need to do a ton in the first round. And even if he was losing the round on volume, we've seen at the end of, like, the Pantosha round two, he just fucking nuked him at the end of it when it was, like, fairly even. So we know Figueredo knows when he's winning and when he's losing, which makes it, like, he, he was a fairly rare fighter at flyweight. And I think the fact that he's lost the attributes that made him so special, it's incredibly depressing to me. Like, at best, I would have had him, like, Top 9 to 15 of the pound for pound list, and even that might be a little bit generous, but I just enjoyed his style a lot, and I think it's pretty much gone at this point with the way that he's declined physically. uh, It's it's a real shame, and I think Bannaway's going to be a lot. Bannaway would have been a lot worse for him, even in isolation. Like Prime Figueroa moving up, he would have been able to give guys like Rob Font a good fight, I think. But someone like Peter Yan, someone like Aljamain Sterling, it would have been a, a real, real, real uphill battle. And without a gas tank, it's going to be even worse. So I think his days as a contender are probably over. I've been wrong before on this, of course, uh, but it's just Figueroa's style does not seem robust to these sorts of, uh, of physical changes, and especially intelligence changes. There's one thing that, like, our friend Haxoraz has pointed out a bunch. Ferraredo, he fights kind of like he can't lose, but he's always been an adaptive fighter in at least some sense. And I think this was the first time in a long time he fought just exactly the wrong fight with no idea how to approach it. And it's, uh, it doesn't bode good things.
0: He got dropped with a jab. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> if you want to give me the, he was the same argument like and that's, ins- that's nuts, yeah. dude. He got dropped with a jab. That would never happen. I remember a million years <laughs>
1: after uh, Ally Quinta got dropped with a jab by Donald Cerrone, uh, the previous co-host of this podcast, uh, Danny Martin. he said, anyone who gets dropped with a jab isn't elite and I'm not sure that's completely correct, but it seems like it might be correct in this case.
0: Yeah, he's a Sith Lord. He yeah. only deals in absolutes.
1: I mean, and I think the other depressing part of this is even on Moreno's side, right? Because there's a lot of case to consider him kind of a, a weak champion at this point because one of the guys, so a couple of the guys who beat him, um, Pantoja, he got kind of beaten to death by Figueiredo and he's on the older side now. Sergio Pettis, he got released and went to Bellator where he's not the... Um, the uh, the Benhamweight champion, Davison Figueroa, who beat him in the first fight, like, let's be honest, he's now not in a good place. Uh, Joe B, who would have given him a, a good fight, I think Joe B would have beaten him in a bunch of previous forms. He's now also been beaten to death by uh, by Figueiredo. It feels like Flyweight's in a weird place, and Moreno doesn't have a ton of challenges. And it's going to be really difficult for him to even get to the place where Davison and Figueredo was, right? Where he was like, oh, if he beats Moreno, who's left? And he still has an impressive resume. I'm not sure Moreno is going to get to that point and it's kind of sad like uh, the the most interesting fight form at this point is like old pantoja and that's not great like pantoja did beat him a couple times but it's still not a a particularly exciting division at this point with figueredo having wiped everyone out and then died
0: well that's a very pessimistic point of view sure everything you said was extremely pessimistic but you know it's extremely logical for an mma fan to be pessimistic you know forgive (laughs) Forgive the longtime MMA fan for believing bad things will happen, but the fighters they like, I like, go, oh, where, where is he getting that from? I wonder, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll not even devil's advocate. Just, you know, I, I'm in like the wait and see camp at this point. Like with, with Moreno, it's like, yeah, like just his, his record with the division doesn't totally inspire confidence right now, but I test those, that, that was a few years ago, he, he looks to have improved in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, sometimes people, they, they jump levels right, sure. right around that point, you know, right when they start getting to that championship conversation and they, they win and they have the belt, uh, it, how many fighters have gotten so much better after they won the belt? You know what I mean? Yeah. They were like basically the contender version of themselves and then they jump levels because now they have all those attention and resources and it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, things change, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he, he could definitely be a guy and, you know, just with his hands being so fast and, you know being. I think, increasingly more of a threat in the pocket because of his speed. Uh, that's something that stood out to me for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, He looked faster than ever in this fight. And Figueredo was also not moving. <laughs> so perhaps it's easy to look fast against someone who isn't moving, but he did look fast. Um, so, like, Alex Perez and um, Askar Asgharov are going to fight, and that's probably a number one contender fight. And uh, they, they both have the threat of wrestling him. And I think Perez looked really good in his, like, however many seconds he had on the feet (laughs) against Figueredo. Uh, But, like, his kicking looked a lot improved. He just looked really good. Um, So I'm still optimistic about Alex Perez. So we'll see how that happens. But, yeah, I mean, Escara, Perez, you know, maybe Pantoja. uh, he He has some challengers coming up, and hopefully they don't, like, screw around and give him, name bantamweights just to, to blow them up. Cause now like the UFC has got the dollar sign eyes again with, Cody um, they don't like, yeah, they don't care about Mexico, but they have a Mexican champion now. And they tried this before and they're like, okay, like phase, phase two, second wave of trying to get this market because they did like the ultimate fighter series. They, they put some energy into it. Not sure if they like the return, but they're probably going to try again. Cause that's just how they operate. They're very opportunistic. So, um, it could happen where he like gets some weird opportunities that don't really put him with the contenders and he like fights a banner weight or something but anyway figure it out we we just got to see uh what happens next cuz you can't say for sure you know cuz people have had performances that make you think they're shot they're washed or the weight cut got to them or whatever and maybe there are some fundamental changes moving forward but a lot of the time it's not as bad as you think it's going to be and they figure it out but best to brace yourself for disappointment
1: <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And I think the way that they're doing Askar, Askarov versus Alex Perez is actually kind of, it's annoying to me because, as you mentioned, there aren't too many contenders out there for flyweight. I'd rather they just give Askarov the the rematch with Moreno now and do, like, Perez versus someone else who deserves it Mm -hmm. a a bit less. But, you know, it's fine. Um, If they're going to do Garbrandt, I think that's a really tough fight for Moreno, honestly. But, uh, you know, I think Figueiredo probably would have done Garbrandt uh, in the form he was in against Moreno. Moreno, he's going to, he's a lot more, uh, well, he's just as tough, obviously. He's way tougher than uh, Cody Garbrandt, but he's going to be operating in the space where Garbrandt likes to fight, which makes it a lot tougher just by definition. So yeah, I mean, it's an exciting division, I guess. It's just, you know, with both this and Rahali and Paiva no longer being a real flyweight, it's tough to get really inspired, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see what happens, but that that's just our explanation of why we are not super happy about that one. I think that is probably the fight where I see myself disagreeing with people the most, just of like the circle of people whose opinions uh, we look at and respect. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super, it's not like I don't like Moreno, I do like him, in fact. Um, I just like was a little salty about like the Figueredo fight because you know, Figueredo won and I think people were overplaying how well Moreno did uh, he got beat up really badly, honestly, and he definitely lost the fight. So you know, to have him get like blanked in, in the rematch is super frustrating. Uh, yeah. Just because like I feel like the Figueroa train was just you know getting to critical speed or whatever. You know what I mean? I feel like people were really on board, and and it was like everyone was behind the flyweight champion, and he's like this really fan-friendly fighter who like has attributes that are really rare for a flyweight. You know, it's like, is it over? Uh, is Miranda going to be that guy? I just I need him to do really well to make me happy because I just want to see this division be good. Yeah. Um, So if you know if we feel like the best guy isn't the champion or like the best guy isn't even that guy anymore, that can be that can be upsetting. But anyway, on to something marginally less depressing. I would say, what was more depressing for you, Uh, Leon and Nate Diaz or? Damian Maya being really old.
1: Uh, probably Leon and Nick Diaz, because I was expecting Damian Maya being really old. Um, yeah, but,
0: Damian Maya looked really old, and uh, he didn't know how to finish singles. But that's my analysis of that fight.
1: Yeah, that, that was pretty <laughs> much the whole thing. Bilal just like hit him whenever he wanted to. Um, I mean, which wasn't that often. Yeah, it was. It was a weird fight, and I think like Damian Maya looked old, but also landed a weird amount. Um, Bilal looks like himself, you know, kind of limited. In pretty much every way, couldn't really step in on Maya with like the threat of the shot, but also stopped the shot every time it came. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be Leon Edwards. This is Nate Diaz.
0: Yeah. So tell me, tell me your your depression.
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, I came away thinking. So, I changed my opinion pretty much right after this fight because I was really depressed about Leon as a fighter right after he got hurt by Nate Diaz, but I also kind of feel like the way that he pretty much crushed Nate Diaz for the entire fight, it it still spells mostly good things. Like, it went about the way that we expected it to for the vast, vast majority of the fight. The worry I have at this point is just Leon's um, durability, which, I mean, we have seen him get dropped before, right? But Brian Barbarina can at least crack a bit. Uh, Nate Diaz, old, washed. Uh, not really a welterweight, Nate Diaz. That, that's a that's not a good look, and uh, Kamaru Usman is likely to punish him really, really harshly for it. But the real depressing, the real depressing part is um, that the UFC is not going to look at that moment lightly. Uh, we've already seen Colby Covington be named the next contender for the belt, which is a, a way less interesting fight than Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman too, because we've seen like Colby Covington in decent form get beat up badly by Kamaru Usman, but it was pretty much expected. Uh, it's probably Wonderboy Burns winner uh, over Leon at this point, too, just because it, it felt to a lot of people like Diaz won this fight on that one moment, even though he got his leg kicked off and he got mostly boxed up in the pocket and he got his face elbowed off for, like, 24 minutes. So it's it's sad. It was a clear win, obviously. He probably got several 10-8s in there, but it's very, very sad.
0: Yeah, it's not even like I'm on throw on a tantrum because Leon Edwards didn't completely dominate every second of the fight it's because I saw what his chin is like and that was a huge bummer um, like if you are someone that's going to beat Kamaru Usman at welterweight you cannot get put out in your feet by Nate Diaz yeah. by one punch essentially um, that's not okay
1: not in the fifth look. round
0: after you're beating him up the entire time he shouldn't be capable of doing that um, and that's kind of why you should be angry with Leon fighting like himself against Nate Diaz Cause, like against Bilal He really pushed it. He came out really aggressively and as Nate He was like I am so much better than this guy. I don't have to do very much at all I'm just gonna be better than him the whole time and you know get get my get my win and like It was fun for a lot of it and he was like, you know sweeping him like, you know doing the block uh, block and trip uh, you know, yeah, running the through like when Nate started to try to check the kicks. Yeah, um, that was cool. Um, you know, just kicking his leg a lot. I always enjoy that. Uh, just generally did, did cool things, countered him a decent amount on the back foot. And yeah, it's just like Nate kept putting himself in these stupid positions. Like he's bending over like near the cage or like he's like totally coming out of position. And there really wasn't any reason for Leon not to kick him really hard. In those situations and he maybe once maybe once he did it it was just really frustrating that it's like okay you can do so much more um and he's not a counter threat he's a threat on the lead because your defense is also not quite what i thought it was um it's also one of those things where like you don't really know how seriously to take diaz's threats because he was all over the map in that fight yeah so like you're not totally expecting it to come so you know there's probably a bunch of stuff that made that fight weird but chin didn't look very good <laughs> getting getting pretty much knocked out um in the fifth round there and uh yeah just the, the ability did not fight the smartest fight possible um is something we always kind of knew about him but we kind of thought it in a ringcraft way um like generally with aggression we thought that was something he was capable of because we thought saw it but yeah it's just like leon being a little worse than expected honestly is, is how i'm feeling and again, it's something that like Nate could have just brought a really, really weird fight out of him, and that punch just landed in a really great spot. And there's just like a, a, I'm not gonna say it was a perfect punch because it definitely was terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it landed. There's no way it had
1: like actual yeah.
0: transfer. Yeah, uh, it might have just been a, a surprise thing. I don't know what happened, but yeah, I mean, it, it could just be a, a a really weird night for Leon Edwards, and doesn't reflect what it's actually gonna be like. Chins are weird. Chins True. are definitely weird but um if Usman didn't knock him out I'd be really surprised just based on how that went
1: <laughs> yeah I think it's also a thing where um like we've seen guys have like weird underwhelming performances on their way to the belt the thing that I the thing that I always think of is uh Adesanya getting hurt by Gaslam like several times and then just beating the crap out of Whitaker like that's a I thing just that think
0: happened. that's like so much more accessible exactly. than Nate Diaz, it's Nate
1: Diaz. Like, there's a line, and I think people make, like, I want to believe in Leon a lot, and most of that performance made, like, it didn't really diminish my belief in him, because it was all stuff we already knew, right, he's not an urgent fighter in terms of looking for finishes, Uh, someone clowning isn't really something that's going to make him go harder, like, the harder you go at Leon, the harder he's going to go back at you, Uh, and even in RDA, RDA went really hard at Leon, tried to pressure him a lot, and... Uh, Leon carved him up for a lot of the fight, and he lost round five there too, but RDA actually had to work for it. He had to work super hard. And Nate just kind of reached out and hit him because he, like, tricked Leon into not thinking he was going to do anything for the entire fight, and he was only not going to do anything (laughs) for 96% of the fight. So, I mean... It's weird. Like, I think he has a better showing against Usman just because any failings he has against Usman are broadly more acceptable. Uh, and, you know, even losing to Usman is a lot more acceptable than having a tough last minute against Nate Diaz. There's, like, no way it could possibly be worse. But, yeah, I think he's he's probably not fighting Usman next, which is the worst part. Uh, it's going to be, mm-hmm. like...
0: It's going to be Masvidal. Yeah,
1: I, I don't hate the Masvidal fight, honestly. I think Mas- It's a good fight. Yeah, I think but I'm worried gonna, he's going to lose. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Big durability difference, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Leon's still a lot better than him. It's just that Masvidal is the kind to like really go at someone who's clowning and being really vulnerable, where Leon is just like, okay, just keep clowning. You're not scoring, so I don't really give a shit. But,
0: yeah. I, I just, I don't know, I was kind of trending towards the belief that Leon was enough good that his strategic failings, I guess it's strategic, not tactical strategic failings, didn't matter that much against most of these guys, you know, except maybe Usman, just because he was going to put himself near the cage a lot, and Usman was going to be able to decide when they do that. Um, and now it's like there are other things I that to worry about, and I don't know. It's it got a lot worse. Yeah, in my mind his prospects against the division, but could be catastrophizing. That uh, is based on a weird fight, uh, so I'm gonna take the same approach, hand with Figueroa, and just wait till the next one uh, before I get confident about anything but not feeling optimistic about that one either and uh nate diaz uh is laughing all the way to the bank dude he (laughs) he did not do anything yeah uh, that entire time but he also tricked leon into not doing that much to him um and also leon this is completely unrelated leon looked not good uh in the pocket trying to counter on the back foot he threw some he was like out of position, leaning back, throwing these weird hooks. Uh, I did not like that at all. I maybe I'd seen it before, but I was not a fan.
1: Yeah, we pretty much just saw him throw like three twos on the counter, and I, a lot of them landed super clean. is worth mentioning. But uh, it was his defense just kind of let him down at the end of the fight. It's weird. Like, it was near the end of the fight where Nate really started drawing a sort of light volume. And I guess Leon's the sort who, like, if this was the first round, he'd get hit a bunch and then he'd adjust. Here, he just didn't have the time to adjust because it was at the very end of the fight and Le- uh, Nate had spent so much time doing literally mm-hmm. nothing. Uh, but, yeah, Nate's... <sighs> I think they should give Nate Muslim Salikov and let Salikov just beat the shit out of him. But who knows? It's probably going to be like Nate Mouse, all too. all
0: It They have zero incentive to make <laughs> Nate versus Muslim <laughs>
1: Salikov. I know, it's uh... my wildest dream. Yeah,
0: maybe Conor McGregor wants to fight him, who knows? They would do that in a heartbeat. For sure. Um, So we already kind of discussed Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. I just, thats not a lot to take away from that performance. Just because Maya looked uh, pretty close to useless, I would say. Although he did get him down early, which is what we thought could happen. But then it's just like Bilal was doing a good job, and Maya just didn't look like he had it in him to do it again. Um, Like literally did not try to finish those singles very much. Um, Bilal was like jamming him up pretty well and like putting his elbows in for frames and doing a lot of good stuff defensively but it was like the kind of defense that lets you hang out in the single and maybe get out of it eventually but it wasn't anything for a quick break um and it wasn't anything that totally inhibited him from going after a lot of different single leg finishes like there was a lot there there were a lot of options for him so i just don't know if his body was letting him down or what usually he goes crack down uh like driving um Muhammad to his hip like on a drop uh, for the single leg finishes which you had to like reach up and cover the hip and there's a scramble and it can be hard to do if you're not totally there physically I think maybe he didn't want to do that anymore um, but just, just was not well practiced enough in other <laughs> types of finishes but honestly uh, there were a lot of opportunities for him to hit uh, trips on the base leg uh, specifically like stepping uh, to the inside of the base leg with like your, your heel excuse me and tripping over that so that kind of sucks. He, I mean, he he wants to fight Nate Diaz. Um, that's fine. Yeah, as long as he retires after his next one, I don't really care. But it's just he doesn't really have it in him to do much anymore. Um, I feel like against a worse grappler than Bilal, he might have still gotten it done in, in that first round. Uh, but if it went later than that, I think it would have been yeah, bad was, against most welterweights.
1: Yeah, we saw against guys like Lyman Good that he's still able to like get to really strong athletes, and if he's able to get those, do positions. you think
0: he is was the same? in that fight as he is in this fight.
1: Who knows? It's still two years, and we haven't seen a bunch of footage of him since. Um, I mean, there was Ben Askren where he looked bad, Tony Martin where he looked bad, and this one, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, Gilbert Burns was not really a, a long fight, so it's tough to say. Like, he was still yeah, but Burns is,
0: is the, like, the one that gave me the most confidence because that's like, oh, okay. it's a top contender, and he's a good, really good grappler, and he's very strong, and Maya got to his back early, yeah. so I was like, all right. Um, it's not like he didn't do it in this fight. It's just... Uh, didn't really seize the moment the way I thought he could
1: yeah, yeah I mean not a particularly complex fight uh Bilal was just able to like throw right hands and have them land so it's not even like the big southpaw challenge that people thought it would be because Maya like he had a functional southpaw game in his prime but at this point he's just you know waiting for guys to step in on him to shoot the single and not finish them mm-hmm. so <laughs> uh, weird fight very weird fight
0: yeah didn't love it um Least depressing of the main card fights that were significant. Um, shout out to Paul Craig uh, for. Did he pull guard?
1: Yeah, he pulled guard and he mirror locked. Oh, here's so. the train. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's the Jamal Hall Hill train. Because he lost to Paul Craig and now he's uh, he's an Ankali of level prospect. Um,
0: yeah, shout out to the Discord patrons who, before I, we started our commentaries, were telling me how they liked Jamal Hill. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's good. I was like, all right okay like, yeah, he needs the body really well and, all right cool i'll watch him and then uh he got subbed from guard and it's like all right paul craig one of the best grapplers at light heavyweight close close to the best i would say he's top five grapplers in division because the division's not good at grappling um just to, to put it plainly <laughs> they asked me before before uh before we got on they said is paul craig a good grappler and i said no and then they said for light heavyweight and i said yes um <laughs> he's not a bad grappler it's just like that probably wouldn't be a viable game uh, at other weights uh, to to play bottom yeah it's not gonna work out very well like people don't get stuck in things as much
1: yeah it's worked out like three times for paul craig already and yeah, it's awesome that's just yeah it's great but it's also silly and stupid
0: um, yeah, but I don't. I don't. This division doesn't deserve that's true. Good results. Yeah, I hope so, Paul Craig
1: doesn't yeah. beat Anthony Smith. That'd be cool.
0: Exactly. If there's a prospect you think is good, like they, they're gonna get submitted by Paul Craig. Just, yeah. you're gonna have to deal with that.
1: Yeah. Here, Paul Craig had like a mirror lock, and he turned it into an armbar, and like straight up broke his arm, and then turned it into the triangle and beat the shit out of him. All it was like three finishes. It, it ended yeah, up a Yeah. So that I, wasn't depressing
0: wide. to me at all because I had no stakes in the game. Yeah. So it was just like. A, a, a submission happened. It was over in the first round. And it was uh, what what else can he ask for? Um, uh, but yeah, so slightly depressing fight in the main event, Izzy versus Marvin Vittori. um t- <laughs> tough, tough because I actually don't care about Izzy that much. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I like him pl- I feel like I'm fine, but I like like moments from a lot of his fights. I don't really enjoy like sitting down watching. At his full fights he's not totally my my type my style we talked about what we like to see yeah. in uh in the last podcast he doesn't really check any of those boxes for me um besides you know like when there's like an obvious reaction from like when it's faints and he falls up on it that's cool like the counter punching can be cool um there there are things he does that i, that I do like but it's just overall i'm not a huge fan um most of my stakes in izzy fights at this point is making sure robert whittaker doesn't look worse <laughs> Because we're already suffering that a little bit with the Jan-Bakovic fight. <laughs> and I think we're we're suffering that again. Although he did win every round. But his wrestling um, I'm afraid it's true. Um, with, with the Jan fight there were some bad looks and it made me nervous. And I was like, uh, I don't know. But this guy's a light heavyweight and most of the bad stuff happened later on in the fight where he was already kind of you know had, there were some reads uh, programmed into him, yeah. uh, you know, b- by the striking, which Jan did very well in, and I don't have as much negative things to say about that. Um, but yeah, with his with wrestling defense, it's like his reactions are, are slow and often wrong. <laughs> uh, just doesn't have the instincts of a wrestler. It, it doesn't look like, and I'm sure he's wrestling plenty. He's, just, he's not picking it up very quickly because um, I mean, he's he's been working on it a long time, I think, and it's just not something that comes to him naturally. I don't think he's not. So here's an example. I've been swimming my whole life like casually but i'm a bad swimmer and i have a really hard time (laughs) using my arms and my legs at the same time it's just and like you have to like breathe you have to do so many different things at once um and you know for most people that's like not even a thing they think about but for me that's hard so izzy is not good at using his lower body when he wrestles um he's like he knows a lot of the different tie-ups he knows like some of the reactions he should have But, like, even though his hips are good as a striker, his hips are not good as a wrestler. He just doesn't have good instincts of where to move his lower body um, and isn't very urgent about it. Doesn't look very strong in those positions either. It's like when he can get a wizard on someone and be tall or get a frame, like, yeah, he looks good there uh, because you're really feeling all of his weight. He's not good at making his lower body powerful in those situations. And that's just something you get from it's, it's wrestling feel and it can be taught for sure. But if you just, if it's not something they're focusing on, it's not it's not happening, and it just makes me wonder how much pure wrestling practice he has. Um, it, it might be a lot of situational work uh, where you don't get to develop a lot of those same things that you would in like a day to day situation with more exposure. Um, that's why I shout out to like uh, Sanford MMA. I, I followed them on I followed Henry Hooft on Instagram finally. I don't know nice. why I was I was waiting on that. Um, I've liked him a long time, but he posts so much training footage. On, on its story, and it looks like they have wrestling practice almost every day. Um, they wrestle a ton, and they just they put on shoes and they wrestle in the middle of the mat, and they just they just go and they do situations. They do but they have normal wrestling practices, so that you're not going to find that at every gym. Um, you're not going to find that at most gyms, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think you're least likely to find that in New Zealand. Um, yeah, they do have a wrestling coach, and they do have uh, the Hickmans that come down from Tiger Muay Thai. But it just might not be enough. And I think Izzy might be someone who needs a lot of work on it to make, to make it where it needs to be. And just like Vittori was getting in on his hips uh, against the cage a lot. And Vittori is someone who's double against the cage. Disgust me. Um, he shoots around the butt. And he takes like a 15 second break before he tries to, to pull up uh, pull out the legs and finish it. There is so much time to do things to him. and Izzy kinda had the same issue as
1: <laughs> as Kevin Holland. And those where he didn't
0: didn't attack the, the grips really didn't like try to dig underhooks and pull them up, didn't cross face, like didn't do any of the things you're supposed to do when you have plenty of time and someone's in on a shot. And honestly, it's a very similar conceptual thing. That went wrong in the first fight against Vitoria, like when Vittori shot that single on him, and he's like, "Ah, I sprawled." I'm done. And then he did not do anything else, and then he just let <laughs> Vitoria build up and finish it. And he's like, "Bro, keep wrestling." Um, so that's like the kind of thing that you would you would get if you wrestled more, um, like in space. Um, and you know, before anyone comes at me like, "Oh, he's a world champion," he's blah, a, blah, blah. like, you think he doesn't do th- the right things? I'm like, yeah, um. We've talked to enough fighters and people that have insight into gyms at this point to learn that they will uh, fail to meet your expectations very often with their training practices. You'd, you would be shocked um, how unprofessional it can be sometimes. Like, how they're not doing what you would expect every gym to do. And, you know, you could say, like, oh, it's the nature of MMA that like you split your focus and you can't devote that energy to everything. But, like, it's just such an obvious thing for him yeah. that he should be putting a lot of time into. Like, is he – did he sp- – I don't know. It's not like it. His jujitsu is good. Setas <laughs> <laughs> don't really know uh, what the deal is. It might not be something fixable. It might just be he's he's not gonna get it. I don't know what's up with that, but maybe he should consider leaving for a bit and going somewhere else to learn to from hoofed, other coaches. Hoofed, yeah, that's a good idea. He he should do that. Um. But I mean, like who else is in this division? He's, is he going to fight Brunson again? I don't know if it's oh, going to really be necessary to make those changes, but it's going to catch up with them eventually. Like if Vittoria is pulling competitive rounds out of you just because you're not that good of a wrestler, that's a problem. And also uh, there were some striking things that worried me in this fight, but I've been talking a lot. So if you felt those things, feel free, but you can say other stuff too.
1: Yeah, I'll get to the striking thing. So first up, I think the ring craft is, it was actually kind of weaker in this fight than it was in the first fight, which surprised me a lot. Because like in the first fight, pretty much every time, right, Vittori stepped in uh, and tried to like double jab him back. Izzy would like, he was super diligent and like weaving out, changing directions. This time he was kind of walked to the fence really early and there he would defend. And there were a lot of clips of like him weaving underneath all of Vittori's shots. It's like, it looked cool. But also Vittori is not the dude you want to be doing that with when it comes to like, defending wrestling shot entries. And uh, Ed mentioned, Vittorio's getting in on those entries not super difficultly, which means that your way to keep him from those areas are to not be against the fence. And Vittori is not that great in terms of shot selection against the fence. He's not that great in terms of shot selection in general. So is he being able to dodge all the shots? Like, that's cool. But it's also not really great if you're getting pressure to the fence by a guy who doesn't... He plays a softball double attack without the big part of the round kick which is incredibly <laughs> bizarre. Like, you're not supposed to, like, that's not a great way to cut the cage. And Vittori was able to do it just by staying above his feet while walking Izzy back and threatening the jab in the right hand, or the left hand, rather. So it, it wasn't a great look. Uh, as for the other striking, I mean, most of the fight in terms of how he won was just he kicked the leg of Vittori over and over and over, and Vittori didn't have a response, which is fine. Uh, he had some nice setups where he was able to, like, question mark kick out of Orthodox, land into Southpaw, and... Uh, hit the outside of the lead leg of Vittori. That stuff's cool. Uh, The boxing looked very weird to me. Uh, He did a lot of, like, this uh, lead... I think it was a lead left straight, like, out of southpaw. He led with a straight and tried to come up with the right uppercut, but it wasn't ever a thing that... Well, it worked once, and then he tried it over and over and over. Uh, For a fighter who's supposed to be that, like building on his opponent's reactions. It seemed like a weirdly hard read that he was so determined to make work. It might have been something that it was just, oh, I want to keep Vittori off the shot, but it didn't really work that way because of his ring craft in the first place. Um, yeah, it was it was an incredibly bizarre fight. As much as I want Robert Whitaker to look good, I also want Izzy to look winnable for Robert Whitaker in the rematch, and I don't know if he did in mm-hmm. this fight, but we have seen Whitaker mix in the wrestling a bit more, so maybe he'll have some spots. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got.
0: Yeah, I'm not falling for this... I'm not. This is. I'm being set up. Yeah. Clearly just, to get my hopes up. They're like, oh, look how vulnerable he looks and all these things that Robert Whittaker would do so well with. I'm like, no. Yeah,
1: it's just not gonna happen. Don't.
0: You don't do this to me. You don't make me think <laughs> that Robert Whittaker's gonna win again. You're like, oh, here's the Calvin Gaslam fight. Based on this, surely Robert Whittaker would do well. Nope. Uh, they're they're tempting me again because that's the next fight, and it's gonna knock him out? It's not gonna make any sense. And Robert Whittaker's gonna fight. Dumb again, and it's just bad. Honestly, all right. So let, let's let's be serious. If Robert Whitaker did fight intelligently, uh, just in far, terms of strategy, not like even changing his skills at all, it would still be concerning because like the reason he was so panicked <laughs> to to create all these entries and, and to be the one constantly leading and trying to push Izzy back, because he was I think he was really worried about getting kicked. Yeah. Um, and Izzy did kick v- Victoria a lot. That didn't go away.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's one thing where Whitaker's a lot more proactive at... If he's not defending the kicks, which he doesn't do all that often, he's at least proactive at dealing with them in some way. Uh, Against Cannoneer, he was countering the kick with the jab uh, and, like, stepping through them with combinations. Against Gastelum, he actually just... Checked a bunch, but Gaslam's a bad kicker and kicks to the inside, obviously, because of open stance. Uh, against Adesanya, actually, he had a couple of instances of just drawing his leg back when Adesanya kicked low. But obviously, Adesanya hadn't really started building, uh, building on his kicking game yet, playing them off his punches or doing anything to that effect. So, I mean, it probably goes worse if he just sits on the outside. And I mean, what uh, what Whitaker needs is like to be able to pressure really patiently and be able to put Adesanya on the back foot, walk into the fence, and create pocket exchanges that way. That's just not the way he fights. And if he's Mm -hmm. able to get in on these entries, it'd be nice. But he also generally needed to set them up with his punches, right? Like when he's able to... Against Gastelum, which is probably his most wrestling-heavy fight in a while, um, he either... At the end, he set up the the single-leg entry with that right-hand counter where he, like, showed it and then changed levels. uh, And a bunch of other times, he entered in into the pocket and just ducked underneath uh, Gaslam's left-hand counter into the body lock. is not going to be there for that because he commands the distance a lot more stringently. Um, and I don't know if Whitaker's the sort to just do a Vittorian just leap at Adesanya through open space like he did to start round four. So it's weird. I think the way that I see it is that, and this might be a little bit controversial, there are a lot of ways in which Robert is a better fighter than Israel Adesanya, but Adesanya just seems like a real he's A just as good and B a really really tough matchup like he might not be as yeah. viable in terms of like if you give all the pound for pound fighters at size parity who wins the most matchups I think Whitaker wins more of them than Adesanya does but Adesanya also might beat Whitaker every single time
0: yeah it's uh, like if you, th- if you said like cumulative skill I would say yeah Robert Whitaker yeah. has more skills for MMA than, than Izzy does uh but that's not how it works <laughs> exactly but, so, but it's also like robert whittaker wouldn't have any trouble with marvin Matori, i don't think pretty much. um he might even finish him who knows but i also thought is he could finish him i didn't pick him too but i thought
1: it was he would be able to
0: but i also didn't expect his hands to look that weird um but yeah so it's just like a little bit of depression for that because you're like Izzy are you are you gonna not look that good against Marvin Vittori and then knock out Robert Whitaker again you bastard <laughs> um I'm kind of like already bracing myself for that that's why it's making me a little bit upset yeah. I would have been upset too if he lost um that would have been the worst thing because then it's like damn Robert <laughs> Whitaker lost to a guy who lost to Marvin Vittori uh I, geez. I mean, Ben then so, he could just go on <laughs>
1: Duncan Vittori, though that'd be a thing
0: uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work for me. It wouldn't work for me. I'd be too too broken about it. Um, so you know we avoided one catastrophe, but we're set up for another one. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, go go, Bobby Knuckles. We, we love you. Yeah. Um. Full full bias. For sure. I'll uh, speed ahead.
1: Yeah. Last fight to talk about on this one was. Um. I mean, two more I think, but we could. Yeah. We're already like 50 minutes in. But Nice. Yeah. We, this one flew by. But uh, first one probably Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell really really fun fight absolutely insane uh, I'll keep this one short but uh, Dober we did did commentary on it yeah so go listen to that one if you want the that actually had a lot of good takes uh, but yeah Dober did a good job just a lot of hand speed in the pocket nice work uh, throwing the, the straight left which caught Brad Riddell clean a concerning amount of times early but then Riddell was able to adjust to it and adjust to Dober's uh, you know throwaways and feints to draw out his counters uh, and it turned into a really entertaining sort of footworky battle near the end um, where you know Riddell was able to like deal with uh dober's right hook and like pivot past it and hit like these cool left hook counters and at the end dober just he survived because of his chin and that makes me fine with riddell winning uh the scoring i think it could have gone either way honestly but it was a, a really excellent fight uh and i'll leave uh Dawudu versus eve to you ed since it was a lot of wrestling
0: sure yeah early on um you know we talked about how evloev is kind of you know married to the idea of leading and getting his jab off and putting on a volume game on people. And Hakim Dawadu does like the counter, so it was going to be a favorable matchup for him, but also, you know, potential vulnerabilities in wrestling and grappling. Uh, we, we definitely predicted that, and uh, we did commentary on that fight as well. We also did commentary on the three main card fights that we talked about, so definitely check all of those out. They're on our podcast platforms, but the videos are on Patreon, um, so you get get the nice quality video there. And, yeah, it's like Ivaloy have really impressed me for the first two rounds at least because he was really building into his entries uh, intelligently and it was it was all coming off of his striking like he got really good motion off his jab and everything that built off of his jab and the way he was throwing his combinations you know flowed really smoothly into his single leg entries um and everything just looked really educated and well planned and uh it was really a disciplined focused performance and in the third round hakim got a little bit of a better read on on those entries uh because he he didn't run out of ideas but hakim kind of got used to the idea of like okay he's gonna show me whatever from the outside and, and you know weave into this or whatever but he got better reactions with, with his his hands and hips i would say yeah so he actually started stuffing him in the third round really powerful sprawl like i'm sure most mma fighters who are strikers can sprawl well because that's like what you expect right yeah. some guy's gonna dive on your legs from the outside but that's why you know entries matter so much <laughs> and that's why you should learn to have a good single leg because you know unless you're shooting a high crotch straight on but uh, yeah, he got better read on him and he started to actually get the counters in a little bit so Hakim had a better showing for himself uh, in the third round which I think just kind of elevated him as an opponent um, and brought him closer to what we thought he was which is good because he looked pretty underwhelming before that uh, didn't really have a lot of ideas defensively as a grappler which was disappointing but the fact that he was able to adjust and, and I think went around or come close to it um, was was good so that, that makes it a more valuable victory for for Efloya, uh, then it also means that Hakim is still worth caring about moving forward. Because if someone doesn't adjust, that's when you're more concerned than just if they showed skill yeah. uh, deficiencies. Uh, you want to be able to see that they can adapt.
1: For sure. Um, yeah, so that's UFC 263. Uh, interesting card, at the very least. Lots of stuff to talk about, clearly. But um, not one that made me feel good about the sport uh it was yeah uh, it it proved that mma is a lot cooler in theory than in practice and a lot of points so (laughs) come on (laughs) uh yeah we have pfl so you want to talk about the last pfl event right
0: yeah just to run through it and just add some comments on the results just because we didn't talk about it and we did preview it and i did actually watch all of it did you watch it i watched some of it all right well uh bottom to top chris wade uh versus Armin Ospinov, Ospinov looked pretty interesting and Chris Wade, you know, just volumed him super hard and was a really active kicker. I was impressed by that. Uh, Wade's always been really athletic guy who didn't totally know how to box uh, or do a lot of different things, but could wrestle, could grapple and just kind of knows how to weaponize his attributes. So I appreciate that about him. Uh, he's got an interesting little style. He's probably on steroids because um, it's a really unrealistic style <laughs> to work. Um, and he's doing better than he's outside the UFC, so you do the math. Yeah. But it's not like he's fighting worse opponents. You know, I think Usmanov's pretty Ospinop good.
1: Solid, yeah.
0: uh, mm-hmm. But he knocked him out, so that was cool. Um, he was getting his butt kicked before that, but you know, attributes, you know, you cash in. Uh, Shaman Rice was getting foot-swept and grappled by this Jesse Stern guy. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is terrible. And then Shaman uh, <laughs> hit a Kimura sweep off his bottom side control and finished it. And I was like, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> Um, so Shaman you know you just, you just do you buddy I'm not going to hold you to any standards whatsoever <laughs> uh, get get the dub um, I learned that I care about Rajabov because he is at hoofed he's a Sanford MMA guy nice. and he got a uh, 27 second knockout and it was uh, nothing fancy but you know cool. ex- expected of how to athletically and powerfully enter into a combination from the outside I mean that's, that's hooft stuff <laughs> and uh, did you see OEM versus Martina? no nah,
1: that was one I missed
0: Ah. Uh, oam had a really cool open stance uh boxing performance oh, nice. he looked, he looked pretty sharp yeah when, when they grappled and wrestled he looked super strong and, and good and yeah he had a really nice performance um and martin held was formally like okay is this the top lightweight in pfl because uh, he beat schulte and <laughs> yeah, he was not he he boxed up schulte and then oam boxed him up so now he's the best lightweight in pfl <laughs> um yeah speaking of ton schulte he did it again
1: oh god yeah
0: he struck again he got outstruck by this alex martinez guy he had a few cool throws uh, a few cool takedowns did did the exact same thing he does in every fight like high guards low kicks clinch takedowns and did not do anything <clears throat> from top position and definitely got outstruck uh by this alex martinez fellow who's supposed to play anthony pettis and then they gave it to him <laughs> and everyone knew it was gonna happen <laughs> everyone yeah, scored gosh. it for Mar- martinez and like oh he, he's he's gonna do it again and uh he did it again so shout out to Nathan Schulte for tricking the judges every time um, did you see Brandon Lockman versus the yeah, Diamond yeah I watched
1: that one that one was fun
0: that, that was sick right yeah I
1: didn't have a ton of takes on it because I didn't rewatch it but I remember Lockman looked pretty good
0: Diamond is just like um, uh, uh, dude I was about to say something really corny <laughs> about like him being unbreakable like, oh, like living yeah. up to his good. nickname like uh like, you know, fuck off that's that. kind of reserved uh, for <laughs> Dustin
1: Poirier but yeah he looked durable as hell
0: he looked unbreakable yeah. physically. Like He got rocked a bunch, and you know, Loughnan just could not finish him, but he, he beat the crap out of him the entire time, basically, and looked good wrestling, looked good, good. Uh, on the counter, looked good in the lead. He, he looks awful. Yeah,
1: the draw card is incredibly wrong. I don't understand it whatsoever.
0: Oh, it's because uh, Loughnan did take him down a couple yeah. times. It's like, oh, we won the round.
1: Yeah. It just, that's <laughs> awful. But, yeah, Loughnan looks fun mm-hmm. moving forward. I'm still surprised they didn't sign him off that fight uh, for the Contender Series. Yeah. I mean, not surprised. They
0: screwed up. But they screwed up uh ncaa champion bubba jenkins looked like a pretty for himself he looked like the best boxer he's ever been um which is pretty exciting and you know the wrestling was still there but he did gas um and lost the third round to, to bobby moffett who uh had a good good little uh, attack there in the third round he was like kicking a lot just press pressuring a lot like knew that he that was his moment um, in the third round but Bubba did a good job and he didn't really get in danger at all with the, uh, the front headlock choke threat so he navigated that fight well and the skill development is very promising. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure when a fighter is, well, I don't know, how many years into his career is he at this point? Uh, 10 years into his professional yeah, career.
1: pretty far to be making improvements.
0: Yeah, I had kind of given up on him being anything of a striker really um, but yeah, it looked pretty good so if he can figure out how to manage that uh, over a five rounder and, and put a put a performance together. Uh, he, I mean, he could be one of the top featherweights in the world. Really, like the the skills individually were always kind of there. Like, okay, this is a super good wrestler who's very athletic and strong and can ride and can, and can keep you on the ground. But uh, yeah, if he's going to be a functional, dangerous striker, then you know, by all means. And I don't know where he's training, but I swear to God, if it's <laughs> if it's Stanford MMA, Let's I'm going to lose my mind.
1: Uh, Kings know. Black House American Top Team. So never proved, right. but that's good
0: it's still good yeah it it'd be, i would have i would have lost it if it was another fighter who I, I was impressed with their performance and it was and it was it was hoofed. um clay collard and uh joylton, joylton luterbach who all right so i have beef on Tapology. he's brazilian uh pfl had him as german uh you gotta, you gotta pick you gotta tell me what she is but anyway uh, i don't remember that fight at all
1: yeah, I didn't watch that one because I was getting ready for I a think Collard wrestler. got
0: wrestled a bit. That might have been...
1: Yeah, I happens. mean, if it's a split, he probably didn't look as good as he did against Anthony Pettis. So, it's fine. But,
0: Just different style yeah. up, But, yeah, main event, um, we talked about it because uh, our buddy, staff member, uh, professional fighter, a World Champion, very handsome, uh, Zach Defeater. Makovsky. Dawson Defeater. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Makovsky was training her because Zach Makovsky has been coaching up at a finishers MMA in the Northeast PA and Brittany Alkin trains there. So he was training her and she got, she got the shields fight. So it's like, cool. And Zach is not like, I'm I'm bailing him out. (laughs) Zach has not been her coach her entire career. It's been like the past six months or something like that. So I think considering what it seemed like he had to work with the weird game plan was, was going pretty well. Like, and with this kind of fight, I think a weird game plan is acceptable because you can come up with some an ideal situ- solutions for other fights that you could for like a weird this person probably can only f- punch yeah. um, <laughs> type save a fight but yeah she uh she was doing like a like a long guard um sort of with her hands out uh just doing straight kicking and, and low kicking and trying to keep her away and i guess she was just trying to force the over commitments to hit her reactive shots and she didn't i mean the timing was pretty good in the shots like obviously functionally as a wrestler
1: the mechanics were not great yeah
0: yeah it wasn't great but like the timing was good on her entries i uh, needed to work on her finishes but early she was going upper her body off the shots uh like against the cage and such and hitting trips and stuff and she looked pretty competent there and like her top game early on looked pretty solid i was impressed um you know based on my expectations and then um yeah it's like she got she mounted her pretty early i well first of all early on shields got up which is not something I expected she did uh, like give up her back and do the technical whatever you want to call it get up for MMA against the cage and did get up and then she got taken back down And I think Clarissa Shields made a decision that that was a lot of work And if she's gonna win this fight She couldn't be getting up and back down all the time and just had to choose her battles and decided to stall <laughs> um, Smart enough. and she did she yeah, it was, it was smart enough and Brittany Elkin fell victim to it. Uh, she was tying up her hands I'm just trying to pull her down into her and not letting her get off on
1: big shots yeah attacks
0: really um apparently elbows were not allowed for this fight and it wasn't a tournament fight so that's kind of annoying yeah. but um that would have changed things i think because you need a lot less space to elbow obviously so them holding on to you isn't as big of a deal uh but yeah Brittany elkin basically did the same thing uh, the entire fight there were a couple times where she took some bad shots and was really committed to like so she had one leg hooked um on, on the mat and like it would have been like that dogfight position if she came up on the underhook and Shields at the wizard And I think she finished there once before um It got off to her back or, or something like that But this time like when she got more tired and was getting rocked a little bit instead of going for the underhook She was going all the way across Shields body and attacking the far leg <laughs> And I don't know if she's trying to like roll it through kind of like a deep half situation, but it just it was a bad idea And uh, it seemed to be her natural reaction. Maybe it's something that's more doable in sport jiu-jitsu. Apparently, she's a brown belt. Uh, So maybe that's something she does in pure grappling. But it was a bad idea. And that's what kind of got her finished, honestly. She probably could have finished that takedown that she was on when she got finished. Um, But but did that and really tied herself up. But Shields, I mean, outside of not having a ground game at all, um, I think she had good instincts. um, And clearly smart enough to know when she could win what she need to do and i don't know it's like it's not really worth right now being impressed or thinking about it too hard because it's not a real division yeah uh women's 155 it's not developed on any level um women's 145 is also not developed <laughs> on any level so the possibilities are pretty thin there is kayla harrison i i am interested in kayla harrison i think she would destroy glass shields right now obviously um that's very obvious i don't need to say that but i don't know there's something there probably but i don't know it was just kind of like a gimmicky fight where you're like all right let's see how this works out and uh maybe some lessons learned overall but i think zach did a good job preparing her i think you know while she had the energy she was doing pretty well and just had some bad habits that uh that crept up and you're not gonna fix those
1: in six months so i get it yeah um
0: yeah, it's just like you might be able to fix them when you're fresh, but they come back when you're tired. Yeah, you do what what's automatic for you.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, even in terms of like actual like deep women's MMA, someone with just an actual core competency like Clarissa Shields has, it, it's gonna be probably relatively tough to beat them. But you know, being at women's lightweight, it's uh, it's pretty barren, and the fact that the only person really there is a really overbearing wrestler, it's gonna be tough for her to. Be able mm-hmm. to do anything. It's probably gonna keep being fights where like she's a on minus one thousand favorite, which I mean, you know, might as well go to Bellator for that, am I right?
0: Uh, it's it's very Bellator. Um yeah they they could all link up. I think they're one forty five division in Bellator, they might have a couple people. I know they have Julia Bud and they have Cyborg. Um so I mean if they're they're okay with like cross uh weight stuff or catch weight or whatever they could they could mix some interest there is at least like two or three matchups within that whole group of people that are worth watching in my opinion just because like in a division with five people in it it's not really that much skin off my back to be familiar with the entire division and watch all <laughs> their fights if there's only gonna be like two or three fights a year that actually have any of them in it so i don't know but uh there's another pfl event coming up uh i guess it'll be today yeah um, that you're listening to this if you're listening on thursday uh it's the welterweights it's headlined by Roy mcdonald who is at sanford yeah he is with dinner Hoof now therefore i am a fan of him and i want him to win uh, <laughs> but i think that's great for him that's a gym where you really can't do what he's been doing in, life in his recent losing streak like being really hesitant and you know not pulling the trigger and not being physical and not being mean like you gotta be that's that's the gym for that um so uh, hopefully it's been a good influence on him obviously his wrestling will only get better uh, training with Greg Jones and Tommy Garzini and all the great wrestlers at that camp. Uh, Logan Storley at his weight class. Um, I mean, if Usman still trains there at all, that that's, <laughs> that's an option. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be good for complementing what his skill set is right now, which is being a top game yeah, guy. That's, that's yeah um That could be how he beats Gleason Tebow, which is his opponent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, long-time UFC lightweight.
0: Yeah. Gleason Tebow is now at welterweight uh it's just I don't think uh we have to worry too much because Gleason Tebow lost his PFL debut to Joao Zafirino who uh got top game by Fitch really easily and I think Rory should be fine um in that respect and Tebow is also ancient yeah he is uh wow he is 37 that's so much younger than i expected
1: yeah for welterweight that's not even i mean that's pretty that is 10 old,
0: years younger yeah. than i expected <laughs> he's been a pro since 1999.
1: i mean he did go and beat will brooks recently and you have to be in your prime to do that but
0: that's true he's an elite <laughs> fighter
1: yeah i mean just from a mechanical standpoint as in Gleason Tebow is like a, a literal cube like half in for half of his career <laughs> he could have been a little tough to wrestle for rory mcdonald tougher than curtis Millender, who is uh, knotted as a wrestler but yeah, at this point, he's too old and Rory McDonald probably knows his path at this point. He's not going kind to of strike with T-Bow, when he's not really been all that keen to strike in his recent fights. So, yeah.
0: There are like two or three other fights that contain people uh, that should be watched. Uh, Ray Cooper is, uh, I think, worth watching. Um, he punches hard and he has some decent ideas on his feet. And he knocked out Jade Shields twice, yeah, so you, know, you gotta love him for that. Uh, he's fighting Nikolai Alex Hakim, who who uh, beats, he knocked out Jesse Ronson in his last fight. And Jesse Ronson's not, like, good, good or anything like that. But he's worth, worth beating uh, and knocking him out in the first round. is impressive. So that should be a cool fight. Um, do you have anything, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, not really. I know Jesse Ronson from, I think he was the one who got, like, weird split decisions out of, like, three really solid UFC fighters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin Lee was one of them. I don't remember the others. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michelle Prasaris and Francisco Tornaldo. So that's actually more impressive than I thought. So, yeah, knocking him out in around yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, but I don't really know anything else about Alex Akin other than the uh, Askrin loss, where he was like kind of lighting Askrin up for a bit and got wrestled, which is uh, pretty regulation. But, you know, we did point to that fight a bunch in our anti Askrin tirades. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ray Cooper, I mean, probably has it, but who knows? It's fun.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then at light heavyweight What? <laughs> what's light heavyweight um what are you talking about hold on gimmicky reason it's because it's uh antonio carlos jr aka Shoeface, is fighting Vinny Makalesh, who i believe is an adcc champion i might be getting that wrong but i know he he submitted for in competition that's yeah and I, I think for was like was adcc like finals level at the time um i think he broke for arm but yeah he was a really good grappler and sports jiu-jitsu and a kind of a bad mma fighter except for when the you
1: know it it doesn't really matter if he's good at
0: mma or not and can just do jiu-jitsu on them um it could be a really terrible fight where they just try to kickbox but hopefully they grapple and that would be cool and and they're very different kinds of grapplers but i say that but i'm pretty sure antonio carlos jr did like a flying triangle uh off the cage or or something crazy like that against gary Tonin. so but that's a you know a guy who's smaller than him but he might have some stuff Uh, Too. He seems like more of a positional guy where Vinny will will go for things a little bit more. Yeah, I
1: remember uh, Shoeface had that Hammerlock sweep on Ian Heinish, which that was cool, Mm -hmm. but you know, obviously lost Ian Heinish because that's the exact sort of guy Ian Heinish beats and none of the other ones. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it could be fun. I'm not super familiar with like their grappling styles, but it, like any grappler, grappler fight, it could be fun, it could be terrible.
0: Yeah um another one at welterweight uh the man who tricked jack slack into thinking he was good <laughs> curtis millinder uh, is fighting the best welterweight in pfl macabre macabre Karimov uh i'm going to watch this fight before i give any big takes about macabre Karimov because i haven't really studied him i just he beats all of their guys so he's the best one by default um but you know curtis millinder gets wrestled by everyone that can wrestle at this point so that's probably gonna happen yeah. and he'll probably get submitted pretty early um or you know knocked out we'll see and uh one more thing is that Alexi Konchenko is opening this card.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't heard too many great things about Shadu Apparently he's a kicker who's like big. So that might make it interesting. But Yeah, Konchenko's
0: He might be old too. Oh, yeah. They could be they could be old together.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea uh konchenko is yeah he's pretty old for welterweight but he's actually reasonably interesting uh does nothing for the first round does like one thing for the second round and goes off in the third round like wins all of them uh so having these be three round fights it's better than the two round fights they used to be but not as good as five round fights for the great konchenko but uh yeah he, he's a fun <laughs> fighter uh good boxing in the pocket solid jabber uh drew gilbert burns in my opinion and definitely beat Alessio Zaleski-Dosanto, so, Zaleski so should probably be undefeated at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he'll go too far just because he's old. Uh, I think he's, like, 37. Yeah, he's 37. So <laughs> he's Gleason Tebow old. He's he's a relic. But it's, uh, I mean, he should have some fun showings, at least, if uh, the guys are right and they don't just, you know, go off on him in the first round.
0: Yep. So we're nearing the end of this podcast. we got one more card to talk about. Yeah. It'll be pretty easy. Um, so UFC card. Uh, fight night in the location of this card is Las Vegas. at the, the apex. apex. Okay, so small cage. And um, it's Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. There's a couple other fights worth talking about here. It's not a, like a well-structured card. There's not like a clear flow of like, here are the good fights and here are the bad ones. It's just like, ah, <laughs> not super interesting. But the main event could yield some intrigue um topology has the korean zombie ranked number four
1: Ooh, at
0: featherweight that's, not, that's right. not right um and you get number seven so that's <laughs>
1: also probably not right.
0: yeah well what are you gonna do uh so sure um is there any reason to believe that we should still be you know excited for korean zombie fights or is he gonna be
1: half
0: a shell of a man for the rest of his career.
1: I mean, I'm not even that sure it was a shell of a man for Ortega. It's just that he was mentally. Yeah, that's one thing. Mentally, <laughs> is one thing, but also that like skill-wise, I think there were a lot of reasons to have a bunch of questions about him. Uh, he had like a couple really nice subminute KOs over really good fighters, but that never really established that he could deal with guys. Just you know really competently solidly building their offense Wakana um, was one that was supposed to test him that way he died in the first minute Hominick was one who maybe could have tested him that way died in the first minute uh, Frankie Edgar who maybe could have tested him that way was old and died in the first minute so like it's not a coincidence that he's killing people in the first minute but it's also something where he's like not, not showing that he can't deal with people doing that sort of thing or that he can either one and against Ortega he kind of showed that he couldn't Uh, Ortega had, like, a southpaw jab and a a bit of a level-changing threat, both with the strikes and the takedowns. uh, Kicked him a bunch, and TKZ just had no idea what to do. Uh, So I've never been a a big TKZ buyer. I think the Yair fight was actually where I dismounted because I think, like, as clear of a win as that would have been if it went to decision, it was just an ugly, ugly fight, and I don't really trust him against, like, counter-threats or anyone who can lead smartly at this point, which is, like... At featherweight, there are a lot of guys who can do either or both. Uh, And I think Dan Ike, for all his faults, is kind of one of those guys. Uh, He's not super limited. He's not like a rigid fighter. He's reasonably versatile. Uh, He's fought clever fights in the past. Uh, He definitely lost to Barboza and, you know, obviously the Cater fight. But even those are ones that he approached with some level of tact. And I think TKZ is one where that's probably enough to get him a, a good showing, if not a win. Uh, and considering that I don't really trust uh, TKZ's chin anymore, he got dropped like twice in the first two rounds by Ortega and it was apparently gone for the rest of that fight that doesn't bode good things for the way that he fights uh, he's never had particularly strong defense uh, and he's always relied on like being in his opponent's face so who knows I think Ige you know goes to his body puts the combinations together hits him very hard uh, kicks him ha- sets the right distance blitzes in does does all the things he did against cater with drastically more success
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not somebody who has takes on Daniga. Um, <laughs> really, I don't really watch him, and I don't rewatch his fights. I don't study him. I know he's like an athletic puncher, and you know he hits the body, and he is a grappler at base, and um, he's Ali Abdelaziz's best friend. All, you know, the important facts. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't really looked into him that much, and uh, I'm still mad at him for knocking out uh Gavin what's his face, Gavin Are you Tucker, really that super mad quickly. <laughs> I, he erased him from a memory that's how he already hit him <laughs> but that was going to be a cool fight and then he just knocked him out right away it's like why would you do that man Let's, let the fight happen they'll just hit him um so hopefully this is a fight uh creating is someone who i'm mad at because i've always wanted him to be a grappler because he's a good grappler and he's like nah don't need it and it's annoying and he is not smart enough to be mostly a striker Ortega, okay, like that might not be the guy that you want to try to force it against. But also, all his takedowns are upper body, so there wasn't that big of a threat of trying to take Ortega down. He could have done it. Um, he's good. He's good upper body uh, and against the cages, especially. Um, so he should do that more. This is a fight where he could do that. Uh, you said Danie got wrestled by Beckett. Yeah, for a round.
1: And... He nearly got arm triangled. So that, that's a route.
0: Did Barboza take him down?
1: I don't think Barboza. I don't know if Barbosa. I know Barboza shot.
0: be taking people down sometimes.
1: <laughs> I don't think that happened, but I'm not completely sure. Barboza won that fight, but I'm not sure if it was through the wrestling. Well,
0: he has been taken down before, yeah. so it's certainly possible. Um, so I just I just want him to be a grappler uh, at this point. And if he wants to continue to have a career, he should definitely do that. Yeah. Um, That's my only take on this fight. It's not that interesting.
1: Yeah, I mostly want Ige to win because if Ige wins, Cater looks better. And if Ige goes into the top five, then they probably have to bump Cater up a spot because, you know, he's better than Danny Gay and very clearly so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the first step towards fixing the division because all of KZ's wins uh, that, like, got him to this position, they haven't fought at 145 since 2019. Uh, I don't know who else he's beaten other than Edgar and Moicano. He beat uh, Dennis Bermudez and... I guess in a lot of people's eyes Yair so not the most impressive resume especially given how he got those wins so you know Zabit's been kicked Yair's probably going to get killed and kicked so zombie is kind of the last holdout to the rankings being kind of okay Ige doesn't deserve to be there either but you know at least he's active so that's something
0: word uh what is the next fight on this card that you care about uh
1: Marlon Vera not not really a fight that I care about but a person kind of um davy grant doesn't seem too interesting i've seen like i watched the jonathan martinez fight where he did like a lot of janky footwork things and his punching form is awful um i don't know maybe he just puts a lot of volume on vera while he's warming up and then vera just beats the crap out of him but cheeto's a lot of fun uh, when he gets going i mean he's looked bad against worse fighters than davy grant i guess but only for a round and then he ended up killing them so
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah we did uh we did our commentary on the uh, chita vera versus song and dung for bad calls it's on patreon You can also listen to it i guess if you want to <laughs> but you should watch it um yeah davy grant just knocked out jonathan martinez uh so that makes him credible but he was also losing the whole fight
1: pretty much i don't really remember i think i remember thinking martinez looked kind of bad in that but i think he got i think he dropped grant
0: i think the moments were there yeah. that led to the finish like he kept kind of getting in that situation where he was exiting too slowly or was a little bit vulnerable coming out. Um, and Davy Grant has hooks.
1: Yeah, it's weird because like his <laughs> hooks look genuinely really gross, and he's got like two left hook knockouts in his last two.
0: That's not somebody who I would expect to have like weird power, despite Batman mechanics. Like <laughs> exactly. A, a weirdly built British guy. Like his but hooks land with a
1: straight arm. It doesn't even make any sense.
0: Well, it's working. Yeah. So that's a fight. Um, we'll have takes on that after it happens. Uh, Julian Erosa is fighting. Uh, <clears throat> do, you, do you remember this guy? Yeah, I
1: remember saying with Choi. Uh, he lost to Ivoyev and Gavin Tucker in his first two, I think, which made people think mm-hmm. he was like just a really bad can. But uh, he ended up being Yusuf Zalal, which is actually pretty decent. Um, did a lot of like, just defended his kicks and pressured him, which was okay. Um, he's not like super inspiring or anything, but he's like a solid talent. Uh, I don't know if Erosa is like, okay, I don't know if he's good enough to beat Erosa, and Erosa's not like amazing, but you know, we've seen him be functional before. It might just be two. Erosa's
0: good enough, I think.
1: Yeah, it might just be like two big featherweights banging it out, which could be fun.
0: Yeah, and Erosa definitely gets a pass from me, not gonna say anything bad about him, because when he fought Sean Woodson, he did what he needed to do, Yeah, and uh, I'm just thankful for him. (laughs) Yeah, I, I thought it would take longer for a fighter to know what to do against sean woodson yeah he did it right away he's like you don't have defense backing up <laughs> so <laughs> i'm just gonna back you up and hit your body and i'll wrestle you and yeah he ended up smitting him so thanks man thanks for that and then he knocked out uh nate Landwehr, which is uh i mean Expected. i don't know the guy's pretty tough the Guy's pretty tough yeah. so like knocking him out is like okay yeah, you cool. should be able to hit him um, when he's uh when he's grooving he's in his flow he's he's kind of fun to watch like sometimes it's annoying because you're like all right like he's some he does a bit of a Dominic Cruz impression at times or like a tj dillashaw in the beginning of a fight impression um it's like a lot of useless footwork on the outside but he does have the right ideas to be a good fighter and he's dangerous so uh, and he's got a ground game so he's he's fairly well-rounded i i don't mind him at all Yeah, he had a good fight with uh, not too. someone I, yeah not someone i expected to uh be a person I cared about because I did watch his season of The Ultimate Fighter um, He, I believe he got knocked Arden out by Artem yeah. Um but yeah Ar- Arce boxed him up a lot on the back foot um, which wasn't super inspiring but not everyone has the skill set to do that uh, Julio Arce is one of a kind yep.
1: really the best ever But <laughs> um, yeah let's see what else is on this card uh, Matt Brown's fighting that's no fun at this point um <laughs> Neto BJJ against Rick Glenn, I expect. I don't have a lot of opinions on either at this point because I think it's been a long while since we've seen either. Um, last time we saw Neto BJJ was when he got knocked out by Hack Press on the Colby Lawler card, which was an incredibly long time ago. And Rick Glenn's been mm-hmm. gone since 2018. So this is. Uh, uh, there's no reason to expect either guy to look particularly good. But if they're in good form, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, Neto BJJ had that, in particular, that great showing against uh, Jared Gordon punched his body a lot and ended up knocking him out on the fence. Um, Rick Glenn had that Gavin Tucker domination, which tends to be the way that people remember him. Uh, but, you know, both are pretty functional fighters, fun to watch, uh, fun veteran fight.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we're talking about uh, two good uh, strawweight grapplers, uh, Virna Jenderoba versus Kanaka Murata. Uh, I've watched Jandaroba. She seems pretty competent as, as like, a top player. Um, she has a nice little style. So I, I think she could do pretty well. I think she's supposed to be a pretty good grappler. Uh, but Murata is probably a bad matchup for her in that respect because she's not going to be a lot wrestler and she's going to have to play bottom. I'm not really sure if that's her game. Uh Murata's pretty experienced at this point, but I'm interested in Murata because she is, first of all, super strong, <laughs> very athletic for the division. Not like fast particularly, but uh, definitely strong and is maximizing that. And she's a very credentialed wrestler. So uh, definitely worth caring about. Probably one of the most... Credential wrestlers to ever fight in women's mma uh she won junior world title in 2011 and then she went seniors and from 2012 after uh may so like september 2012 to her last competition she medaled at every competition so nice. uh i think she won another junior world title um she never ended up going seniors for worlds she never made the team uh, but that's because japan is the best uh nation in the world for women's wrestling and their team is really 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 good especially at uh lower weights she was at 55 kilograms and 63 kilograms so she was never gonna make the team because they were all like world champs and olympic champs Um, uh, so you had to beat a world or olympic champ to make your team uh but everything she wanted to she was either you know she was, only took bronze once she was in the finals of basically every tournament nice. so uh, she also won the Ivan Uregan Grand Prix, which is one of the strongest non-world uh, tournaments there are. So she is super credentialed, a uh, very experienced uh, athlete, comes from a good athletically developed program. Um, so she should know how to like get good and win stuff. Um, I assume she's training in Japan still? I actually don't know that. It says that she's fighting out of Tokyo, but that's not very descriptive. <laughs> so I'm not sure where she's training, but... Um, wouldn't surprise me if it's crazy Bee, just because that's the big gym yeah. in japan uh but yeah that, i'm going to keep an eye on that just because I, I definitely want her to do well and uh yeah that's pretty much all i care about in this card
1: yeah this is a, a bizarre card because i actually like the main event a fair bit i expect it to be a lot of fun but uh, it's not a particularly deep card at all and it feels like a lot of the fights are just guy we like versus meh but yeah I am excited for the card, I guess. It, it should be okay. Uh, not a ton else to talk about. This is already gone what? An hour and 20 now.
0: Not long enough, it might be.
1: it should always be like 2 hours the party podcast but just with us too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh anything else going on? I don't think there is.
0: Uh Patreon content. We talked about all the commentaries. Uh, we had bad calls for Cheeto versus Song and Dung. That was cool yeah, That was that a good was fight. Big. You should watch that uh, Before that I did another bad calls episode for Benson Henderson I uh, watched some of his like controversial decisions of the past and I actually ended up being a lot more charitable to him than I expected um, he, he I'm not I, I definitely have cooled off on him. I usually I used to hate him um, But watching those fights again, I'm like, I think I had it wrong um, I like think he was alright, and those decisions really weren't that bad. Um, Dagger won, like, yeah, he lost that, but it wasn't horrendous, and then the other two, it's like, alright, he won those. So I was like, uh, actually felt a little bit better about the whole thing after watching it, it was fairly cathartic, and it's just nice to, uh, you know, I've been watching MMA since 2010, and I've had good opinions about MMA since 2018, around then, so there's been a lot of me revisiting things, and Finding out how dumb I was or how bad my memory is and things like that. So, that's always an interesting experience. Yeah. Uh, so, check that out. And hopefully, I'll have time tomorrow. I am trying to do a new resume review athlete uh, for a series for multiple episodes. And that athlete is Anderson Silva. He's boxing this weekend. So, hopefully, I can get it started this week. But otherwise, that's who I'm going to do. Uh, just because, you know, I have my thoughts about his resume, I'd like to confirm them. I'd like to watch the fights and just get some better reads on him overall. Cause, uh, interesting fighter, no yeah, doubt. For sure. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't really have anything in the works right now. I mean, if something interesting happens, I was supposed to write a Figueroa thing, but I might be too depressed to do that now. So yeah. maybe. Like, I don't know if it's really worth doing. I might, but it'll probably be more on how his style is dumb for aging. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this how it goes. But uh, yeah, the events coming up aren't really all that cool to me. Uh, so we'll see if there's anyone cool slash performances performance is cool enough to do it. Poor Ian McGregor is in like a month, so maybe that, but whatever. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe next week we do our Japanese or Korguchi thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Doing.
1: Yeah. Most of my thing is just this podcast and like whatever Ed calls me on to, so I'm I'm happy to be in that role, <laughs> on call.
0: It'll be like eight PM on whatever day of the week I'm like, Hey do you want to record <laughs> this? And I won't give him any background. He'll be like, Yeah, then we'll just do it. Um, that's our work yeah. style. It works. Yeah. So uh That's it. We'll get you next week. We'll see what what there is to talk about, but uh, I feel better despite that I have a pounding headache, and maybe that's a depression headache. Who knows? But Otherwise, cathartic uh, podcast, and I'm ready for more disappointment.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good place to stop, so I'll count us down. Uh, Three, Mm -hmm. two, one.